0: There with me. Would you please? <clears throat> There's two types of freedom, spiritual freedom, physical freedom. And we're here today based on shed blood for both. We're here spiritually free because Jesus shed his blood for you and me. And that set us free from the terrible tyranny of Satan. But we're also here because I read this week, About 650,000 American men and women have died, have shed their blood, so that we could get in our car, drive to church, worship the God of our choice, and be free. So, amen. Can we thank God for that? Amen. So the whole idea of Memorial Day is that we don't forget, that we remember that. That's why I want to take every flag burner and deport them. For a year. Just somewhere else. That's free. And let them find out that this is, with all of its faults and shortcomings, still the greatest nation on earth. <clears throat> and um, thank God for the shed blood of those men and women. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about that first shed blood, the shed blood of Jesus, because Jesus shed his blood so that we could have eternal life, but not just eternal life, but a, a, a blessed life, a guided life, a favored life in this life. So I want us to look at Psalms 32, verses 8 to 9, and we're just going to read two, two verses, two Psalms, and um, I want you to see what God promises us here. Regarding guidance, because God wants to guide you, He wants to direct your steps. Our God is a guiding God. Amen? He guides us. So look at 32, Psalms 32, verse 8. Here's God talking through the psalmist directly to us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check, otherwise they will not come near to you. Don't be a stubborn mule, is what he's trying to say. That's the revised Wickwire paraphrase version. Don't be a stubborn mule. But be submitted to God's guidance without kicking against him. Amen? Lord, we just thank you for your word today. And we pray that you will bless it. Lord, I pray that your, your word will illuminate us, guide us, speak to us, renew us, rejuvenate us, strengthen us, correct us, and get us on that path of blessing. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive your word. Renew me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God guides. God guides. God guides. Yes, he does. Now, when you go to the Bible, all the way back in the Old Testament, you see a guiding God. Abraham's servant went to find a wife for his son Isaac. For, and the Bible says that the servant said, after Rebekah had been brought to him, he said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. So there's Abraham. You come down to Moses. Moses. What did God do as they were going through the wilderness? He led them with a cloud by day, fire by night. He was a guiding, leading God. He guided his people. When the fire or the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the fire or cloud went forward, they went forward. They were a guided people. And God was training them in the wilderness to follow his guidance because they were so going to need and understand that principle once they got into the promised land where they had to pray and receive God's guidance over every city they took. They needed what they were learning in the wilderness, the guidance of God, For what they were going to experience in the promised land. God guides. He directs the steps of his people. He promised right here. Speaking to his own children. I will instruct you. I will teach you. And I will counsel you. With my eye upon you. And I will show you the way you should go. Not always the way you want to go. But the way you should go. For your better good. And then he gives a little warning that I think is kind of humorous. He says, don't be a stubborn mule. Don't kick against the guidance of God. Don't resent the guidance of God. Don't try to deny the guidance of God or or reject the guidance of God where God has to come and coerce you to take the right direction instead of you willingly obeying him. Now, I think a lot of people don't experience God's guidance or don't really seek God's guidance. A lot of Christians don't. Because they don't understand the benefits of walking in the guidance of God. You know, there are incredible benefits to walking in the guidance of God. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Well, Jeff, how can I know God is guiding me next week? I'm saving the best for last. Don't miss next week. Because I'm going to give you three signposts of the guidance of God. Where you can know for sure God's guiding you. But until then... You're wondering, well, how can God guide me? How can I know? Oh, God guides us in many different ways, primarily from his word. He guides us. That's where the instruction and the teaching and the way that we should go comes from. It is God guiding us by his word primarily. But I think we don't understand that there are incredible benefits to being a people guided by God. And I found this to be true when I read, this this shocked me, but a recent research by pollster George Barna found that fewer than 10%, now I want that to sink in, fewer than 10% of church-going Christians make important life decisions based on God's Word and seeking His will. That's what the pollster found. When people could answer anonymously, I'm a church-going Christian, oh yeah, I'm a professing Christian, but... No, I don't really seek God's will when it comes to important decisions. I kind of make up my own mind. Let's flip that coin. More than 90% of Christians are making major decisions based on their own reasoning, presumptions, peer pressure, and their own desires. And they are not acknowledging God. An example would be they marry somebody, move to a new city without so much as a 10-minute prayer. When the fact is that God wants to be intimately involved, integrally involved in every step we take. He said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means every step we take. God wants to be integrally, intimately involved in our life. He wants to order every step. Every step. Every step I take, I want it to be ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we reject his guidance, and then on Sunday we stand and sing, Where he leads me, I will follow. When in fact a lot of us don't. So based on Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which I preached on in the first uh, message in this series, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him in every decision you make, at every fork in the road, At every junction in your life where a decision needs to be made, he said, acknowledge me. That means acknowledge my lordship. Acknowledge my reality in your life. Acknowledge me. And here's the promise. I will. Everybody say, he will. will. Now, there's a promise. He says, I will. Direct your path. I will. But see, there's prerequisites. We've got to trust him with all of our heart. We have to refuse to lean on our own understanding and then acknowledge him at every decision point. All right, here's a decision i got to make. What does God have to say? What is God saying to me? What is the guidance of God? What does his word say about this? Do I have the peace of God in my heart about this? Is his spirit leading me? Can his word affirm the decision that I'm about to make? Is this a God thing for me? Or is it a good idea and not a God idea? See, there is a massive difference between a good idea and a God idea. Good ideas are a dime a dozen, but a God idea can carry you for your whole life. One God idea. Give me one God idea over a thousand good ideas. Amen? I want God ideas. So, based on what George Barna found, most professing Christians are not trusting in the Lord with all their heart, are leaning on their own understanding, And are not acknowledging his lordship in their decision making. And as a result of that, they're not enjoying the benefits of walking in the guidance of God. Can I give you a news flash today? God doesn't bless our plans. He blesses his plans. He doesn't bless us doing our own thing. He blesses us doing his thing. I don't want to do my own thing. I want to do his thing. I want to know what God is saying to me. And then I want to go do it because I know that is the path of blessing. That is the path of anointing. That is the path of victory. That is the path of destiny. And that is the path of fulfillment. I want to walk in the will of God. I want to follow him in my life. And I believe you do too. The Bible says, doesn't it? It says for as many as are led, everybody say led. By the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If the Spirit of God, the counsel of God, God Himself is guiding you, then you're a son or a daughter of God. Now, a Spirit-filled, faith-walking child of God will earnestly seek God's guidance about changing jobs. Well, I don't like my boss, so I'm leaving. But what is God saying to you? Because sometimes He gave you that boss to work on you. Sometimes he gave you that boss to chisel away on you. you See, we we think if it's easy, it's God's will. But often, when it's really hard, that's the will of God. Because he's working on chiseling into us the character of Christ. So just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not God. Amen? Amen? If we're a spirit-filled, faith-walking child of God, we will pray about choosing a school for our children. We will pray before we move to another city or a neighborhood. Or where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to be? We will pray about who to marry or who not to marry. Amen? We will pray about major financial decisions. Going to the mall, the spirit of mall comes on you. You know what the spirit of mall is? The spirit of mall is when you walk in there and you start hearing what you think is the voice of God. That's for you. That's for you. Whip out the plastic. I'll take care of it. Go ahead and buy it. You deserve that today. But but before we make any major financial decisions, we ought to say about that car, about that house, about those clothes, about anything, we ought to say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Because he directs my steps. And my steps go into a lot of different areas of life. But he wants to direct them in every area that I go. So what about this financial decision, Lord? What about this purchase? Should I make it or should I not? How many of you today wish you had listened? amen have you ever noticed that visa writes you faithfully every month they never miss a beat do they <laughs> we will pray about joining a church or a ministry within a church today we baptize 19 people in water and wednesday night amen isn't that great i thought that baptism was going to go on forever and Wednesday night, we had about 30 to 40 people join Turning Point, make it their church home. But you know what? This was after prayer. They, they did it after prayer. God wants to be involved in our decision-making. So in order to whet our appetites, to seek God's guidance, I'm going to show you three major benefits today to walking in the guidance of God. And here they are, and I'm going to cover them one by one. Favor, everybody say favor. Fulfillment and protection. Now, those are three promises, uh, benefits, that we'll receive if we walk in the guidance of God. If he is guiding our life, if we're seeking him, acknowledging him at the juncture of every decision, he says, here's what's going to happen. First, I'm going to give you a favor. Listen to Hebrews eleven six. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards. Can everybody say rewards? Now watch this. Who does he reward? He rewards those who sincerely seek him, and that includes his guidance. He rewards. Now one of those rewards I'm going to show you today is favor. Can we say the word favor again? I love walking in the favor of God. I want the favor of God. I need the favor of God. Without the favor of God, we would not be here today, and I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Thank God for favor. But let me just tell you what favor means so you really be sure you get it. Favor speaks of God's kindness, his grace, his mercy. Favor means to bestow something on somebody, a benefit from God. Favor in the Bible always manifested this way in the form of guidance, protection, provision, peace, open doors of opportunity, success, prosperity, and victory in battle. Amen. How many of you can say, I'd like some of that that you just read? That's favor. Favor. Favor is when people help you who normally would not have helped you, and even they don't know why they helped you. That's favor. That's favor. Amen. Favor is when impossible doors open. It is when improbable provision Comes. It is when unlikely circumstances turn your way. It is a, when God makes a way when there was no way. He makes a way when there was no way. You would never have gotten from A to B if he had not made a way through the wilderness, through the fire, through the oven, through the trouble. You would never have gotten from A to B without the favor of God. Favor from God. The Old Testament saints constantly spoke about longing for and wanting and seeking the favor of God. Abraham said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Abraham saying, Lord, I want your favor. It says of Joseph that God was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And because of the favor of God on Joseph, the prison warden, watch this, committed to Joseph's hand, all the prisoners who were in the prison. Now, this guy who gave all this responsibility to, to Joseph was the one who had been appointed to do these things. But because of the favor of God, he turned it all over to Joseph. He gave what he should have done and gave it over to Joseph. Whatever they did there, it was Joseph's doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Now watch this. Watch this description of the favor of God. Because the Lord was with him. And whatever. Everybody say whatever. That's a lot of ever. Whatever. He did. The Lord made it prosper. That that is a definition of favor. The, the, The Lord was with him. That's favor. And whatever he did, God made it prosper. That's the favor of God. See, when you're walking in the favor of God, you get maximum results with minimum effort. If you're out of the favor of God, you get minimum results with maximum effort. I like seeing results. And I know that when I walk in the guidance of God and do what He says and live the way He told me to, and I let His Word guide me and His Spirit guide me, I am going to get maximum results with minimum effort. Because God goes before me, He's behind me, He's above me, He's below me, He's beside me. I love the favor of God. The Bible records that God gave Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Now, here's the people that had held the the Israelites in slavery for four centuries. But when God favored them, the Egyptians turned loose of their gold, turned loose of their silver, turned loose of their stuff, and blessed them as they left. Everybody say favor. Say, I could use some favor. Well, hang on. I'm going to tell you how to get it. David boasted, For you, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Favor is like a shield that surrounds you. Solomon said this about wisdom. He he personifies wisdom, makes wisdom a person. Whoever finds me, talking about wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. So when you walk in the wisdom of God, the, the guidance of his counsel... You will find favor from the Lord. Jumping down to the New Testament, Luke tells us about John the Baptist and Jesus, both of them. He says, they grew in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in favor. John the Baptist grew in favor vertically and horizontally. They grew in favor with God and man. And watch this, the early church exploded in growth. And we're told, here's this thriving, exploding early church. And God tells us this about them. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. So we've seen in these verses alone that favor is to be highly desired. And favor comes to those who are seeking the guidance of God. Lord, I want your guidance. I want you to order my steps. I want you to guide my way. I want to be right where you want me to be. I I want to be in the epicenter of your will. I don't want to be out to the left or out to the right. I don't want to deviate at all. I want to walk right smack in the center, the living center of the will of God and his guidance. I'm here today in the will of God. I'm not out of the will of God. I'm in the will of God standing up here today preaching to you. You're in the will of God being here. This church was put here by God, by the guidance of God. We are walking in his guidance so we can expect favor. So say with me favor. Now a second benefit of seeking God's guidance is fulfillment of heart. Oh, listen to this. Fulfillment of heart. Do you know how many people in our nation have empty hearts? Do you know how many people have empty hearts? And here's the thing about an empty heart. You take it with you everywhere you go. If you try to run away from a situation because of an empty heart, when you arrive at your new situation, you've still got an empty heart because an empty heart is something you take with you everywhere you go. It's baggage. And, And you've either got a full heart or an empty heart. And Jesus, who the Bible says knew what was in each person's heart, told us that every human being on earth has a treasure. Every human being. Something they value in their hearts above all else. Everybody in this sanctuary has a treasure. You've got a tre- Something you have crowned treasure, the highest treasure, the greatest treasure. What you value the highest, you've already crowned something. It's there. You've got a treasure. Jesus said, where your treasure is, not where it might be, but where it is there your heart will be also. And here's why it matters what your treasure is. Because what your treasure is determines what you're going to give your time and your life to. Whatever your treasure is is what you're going to chase. Whatever your treasure is is what you're going to pursue. Whatever your treasure is is what you're going to give your time to, your strength to, your concentration to, and your life to. Whatever your treasure is. And here's the thing about a treasure. It's going to pay one way or the other. Your treasure is either going to leave you empty or it's going to leave you full. Amen? Amen? It's easy to look around us and see people in our nation chasing different treasures. I can name a few. Money and fame. How many people in our nation think that money and fame is going to give them fulfillment? We've got America's Got Talent. I love America's Got Talent. I mean, I, I watch it every once on a blue moon. But it's kind of neat to see these people with this amazing talent. But you know what they're after? They're after fame. That the, whole, the whole warp and wolf of that program is people who want to be recognized and discovered and, and who want to become famous and, and get money along with the fame. But I'm going to tell you, money and fame will not give you a full heart. Other people seek position and power. Well, if I can just get that office, if I can achieve that goal, I will have position and I will have power over people. Amen. Other people chase... Various lusts and pleasures. We know, we've seen it. And you know what? We've done it. Chasing lust, chasing pleasure, th- chasing my own fleshly satisfaction. But it doesn't give you a full heart. Jesus said so. There are, there are those also whose treasure is the pearl of great price. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. They don't care about money. They don't care about fame. They don't care about position. They don't care about power. They care about the one who died for them and rose from the dead. They love Jesus with all of their heart. The pearl of great price. The treasure hidden in a field that you give everything to go and unearth and make your own. That treasure, that pearl. There are those who put him first. And he is their treasure. And I'm here to tell you today, that's the route to a fulfilled heart. That's how you get a fulfilled heart. The Bible teaches that what you choose as your treasure is very, very important. Stop and think. What are you primarily chasing when you wake up in the morning? What do you think when you wake up in the morning? What is the first thing that comes onto your mind that you're going to chase after to make your own? What is it? That's your treasure. That's your treasure. I read recently of tennis star Boris Becker. I used to play tennis, I played college tennis, I love tennis, and I used to follow tennis. And I remember when Boris Becker burst onto the tennis scene. He was this young German, he was the youngest person to ever win Wimbledon in England, this incredible uh, tennis match. Uh, it's it's one, of the great, one of the great wins if you're a tennis player. It's one of the great places to play. And he won it earlier than anybody else, Boris Becker. He was a winner, he was a prodigy. He was an amazing tennis player. He was powerful, strong, fast. He won and won and won. But I read recently that by his own admission, after he had retired from tennis, he was on the brink of suicide. He was quoted saying, I had won Wimbledon twice. The first time as the youngest player in tennis history. And then he says, I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed, yet I had no inner peace. Can I say that again? He said, I had no inner peace peace i could buy anything i wanted when i wanted it but i had no inner peace because you see his treasure did not pay off his treasure subtracted did not add his treasure of money and fame did not fulfill him deep on the inside he was empty see it matters what treasure you choose judy garland who played dorothy in the wizard of oz we've all watched it cajillions of times She was called a legend in her own time. She read an article where they called her a legend in her own time. And then Judy Garland was quoted saying this, If I'm such a legend, why am I so lonely? She would reached the top of her world, the top of the acting career. She was famous, had money, everybody knew her. And yet she says, I'm lonely. I'm empty. I don't have what really matters. I need something else. I need inner peace. And that's why we preach here at Turning Point that there is only one way to true inner peace. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ, the Savior Jesus Christ. And we encourage everybody, hey, if you want to be fulfilled, chase after Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that the world is giving its sweat and blood for will be given to you as a side benefit, but you will end up blessed with inside, inner, heartfelt fulfillment. The Bible says the eyes of carnal man are never satisfied. Chasing after the treasures of this world never brings fulfillment. Ecclesiastes says whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. But seeking God's counsel and seeking God's will does bring fulfillment of heart. How many of you want a fulfilled heart? You want to wake up and say, ah, I'm fulfilled. See, when you've got an empty heart, here's what you do. Maybe a drug will fill it. Maybe alcohol will fill it. Maybe continual relationships will fill it. No, nothing will until you turn to the one who died so that he could pour the Holy Spirit into your heart and really fulfill you. Listen to David's testimony. Oh God, my God, how I search for you, how I thirst for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water, how I long to find you. For your love and kindness are better to me than life itself. I will bless you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Now look what he says. At last, I shall be fully satisfied. 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 In another place he said, I will be satisfied when I wake up with your likeness. Satisfaction fulfillment of heart comes from walking in the guidance of God. Are you walking in the guidance of God? See, you can be a professing Christian and not seek the guidance of God. I'm here today to encourage you, to invite you, to open up your heart and say, Lord, I want you to guide me every step of the way, every decision that I make. I'm asking for the guidance of God. I want to walk in your will. I want to walk following you. I want my life to be lived out to your glory. Lord, I want to follow Jesus. We used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Can we thank the Lord today for guidance from God? Amen. So say with me, seeking God's guidance brings favor. Brings fulfillment. And lastly, it brings protection. Protection. Was there ever a day? Where you're living, where you need protection. It's today. We need the protection of God. I I hope there's angels all around me all the time. And the way some of you drive, uh, you need angels all the time anyway. I'm telling you, when I get on I-35 or some other place in the Metroplex, I can't tell you how often people almost run me off the road, almost slam into me from behind, and I am so glad that I know I've got skinny angels all around my car. Protection. The Bible reveals nine different times when David inquired of the Lord. Before he was king. We are told nine different times, it says of David, he inquired of the Lord. When he was faced with a major decision or a a major question, he inquired of the Lord. It's called David's Nine Inquiries. Now, one of those times is when he was in a city named Keilah. And what happened here is he, he went into Keilah... With his men and he delivered them from the tyranny of the Philistines. Out of the goodness of his own heart. He just went into the city of Keilah and fought the Philistines and drove them out and delivered the men and women of Keilah from the tyranny of the Philistines. And the Philistines are always a picture of the devil. And David is a picture of Christ there going in and delivering people from what they could not deliver themselves from. And he delivered them. And then he hears this. He heard that Saul had learned he was there. Now, Saul had made it his life's goal to kill David. He was going to take him out because he was afraid David was going to take the throne from him. And David was trying to take the throne from him. But David wasn't. God had given David the throne. God had given it to him. But Saul was eaten up with insecurity. He was obsessed with David. And so he was trying literally to kill him. Everybody knew it. His own son knew it. Saul was stalking him day and night and night and day. And David learned that Saul found out he's in Keilah. Now watch this. Remember where Proverbs said, don't lean on your own understanding? If I'm leaning on my own understanding, and I have just delivered an entire city from bondage to the Philistines, then my reasoning says to me, if Saul comes here then they're going to cover for me and they're going to protect me and they're not going to let Saul get to me. Wouldn't that be natural reasoning? I mean, I help you, you help me. I scratched your back, you scratch mine. But that's not what happened. David, even though natural reasoning would have said, the men of Keilah will stand with you, he inquired of the Lord. And here's what the Lord told him. He said, Lord, will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. That's all that it took. Tell your servant. And the God who is talking, if you're listening, said this, he will come down. Well, David could have stopped right there and said, well, if he's coming down, the men of Keilah are going to protect me because I just delivered them. But that's not what happened. He prayed again. And this prayer saved his life. He said, will the men of Keilah turn me over to him? And the Lord said, they're going to give you up. Well, thanks a lot, men of Keilah. I just risked my life to set you free, and you're going to give me up? But Jesus said, Yep, that's men. That's men. I know what's in the heart of men, and that's what men do. You bless them, and no good deed goes unpunished. No good deed. Sometimes the people you help the most turn on you the hardest. But that's another message. The Lord said, He will come down. And then they will give you up. And so David turned to his men and said, Hey, God tells me, Now I know that you guys aren't believing the men of Keel are going to do this, but God told me that they're going to turn us over. So let's follow the guidance of God and not our own reasoning. And they got out of there. And Saul arrived and there was no David and none of his men. And David's very life was saved because he listened to the guidance of God. How often... We'll just be going through life, and the Holy Ghost will say, don't go there, don't run with that person, don't that, don't this, do this, do that. We'll get a check. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, after 35 years of pastoring, I am a debtor to the Holy Spirit. I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit. How often has He protected me, guided me, guarded me, Directed me, spoken to me, checked me, warned me. How often has the Holy Spirit guided my life? I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Just stand with me today, would you? Just say with me, walking in God's guidance releases favor brings fulfillment of heart and protection from God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today. Here's what I know as we lift our hands. Some of you are facing a decision. Some of you right now, you needed this message like you needed oxygen. Because there's a person. There's a place. There's a thing. You've got a decision to make, and it's a major one. And, And... I'm telling you, don't go by your own reasoning. Thus says the Lord. Don't go by your own reasoning. Don't go by what looks right to you. But inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do I do here? Which way do I go? Give me your peace. Guide me with your word. Teach me and instruct me in the way that I should go. Guide me with your eyes order my steps. Father, you see these precious people. Lord, we're all, most of us, your children. Now, Lord, we just say this to you. Lord, guide our lives. Can we just lift our hands? Say with me, Jesus, I give you the decisions, major and minor, I inquire of you. Guide my path. Well, I sense the Holy Ghost on that right now. Right now. Now, while we're in a moment of prayer, listen carefully to me. Some of you here today may not know Jesus as your Savior. You may not be sure you're saved. You may not know whether or not you are a Christian. You may have a question mark about it, or you may know for a fact, I have never really turned my heart over to the Lord. Can I tell you that the beginning of all guidance is at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ? Because until you go to the cross where he shed his blood for you, you're not being guided by God. The Bible says you're being driven by your own lusts and desires and passions and by deception. But when you go to the cross and he gives you eternal life, he then becomes Lord of your life and the guide of your life. So guidance that brings favor and fulfillment and protection begins at the cross. So I'm going to lead you today. May just be one person here. I don't know. We had 19 baptized. People are being saved all the time in our church. But maybe just one here today. Say, you know, Jeff, I'm not sure, but I would like to pray with you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. I'm here to invite you. So pray this with me. Just pray it. You can do it. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent of it. And I turn to you. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved Jesus, I invite you into my heart. In your mighty name, amen. With your heads bowed for a moment. Say, Jeff, I pray that with you. Would you lift your hand and let me see you? And let the Lord see you. I pray that with you. Raise your hand high. God bless you. I see you. And back there, God bless you and you. Several people. What a beautiful sight it is. If it's a beautiful sight to me, how much more it is to god and if you raise your hand in just a moment i'm going to dismiss this service but i'm going to ask you back here and you over here those of you that raise your hand would you just take a minute and come down to me say jeff i prayed with you and i want to give you something to take home with you to me the whole service was worth what i just saw amen whole service amen